Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Shackman. Looking at the broad sweep and scope of history and change in the 20th and 21st century, it's arguable that the dynamics of Israel, its relationship to its neighbors, and the meaning of the Zionist project remain one of the most complex, historic, and creative endeavors of our time. But how did it all get this way? And what can the world learn from all the good that's come out of Israel? How did the desire for a homeland, a base for the Jewish diaspora, become so complex and lead to a statistically improbable number of business and artistic successes? And perhaps most importantly, can all of this power through the burdens of history? We're going to talk about that remarkable history of Israel right now with my guests, Lynn Arison and Diana Stoll. Lynn Arison is the author of Feast for the Senses. She co-founded the National Young Arts Foundation and the New World Symphony Orchestra with artistic director Michael Tilson Thomas. She produced the Academy Award-winning documentary Strangers No More. And Diana Stoll is a writer and editor who shaped dozens of publications for major museums and other cultural institutions. Together, they've created The Desert and the Cities Sing, discovering today's Israel a treasure box, Lynn, Diana, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. Diana, you start off. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Diana, first of all, (laughs) let's talk about how this project came to be, Diana. Okay, I will start. Um, I originally worked uh, with Lynn on two books ago. She she wrote uh, Travels with Van Gogh. Uh, which was a 2002 publication from Abbeville. She was looking for an editor and the photographer, Neil Folberg, who is also the photographer for, uh, for the Israel Project, wonderful American, originally American photographer who's based in Israel now, um, suggested me. I've worked in publishing for a long time and knew Neil from the photography publishing world. So I began to work on that book with Lynn. And when we finally met in person, it turned out that we had a lot in common. Uh, So including an interest in music and an interest in Umbria, which was the subject of Lynn's (laughs) next book. So she asked if I would like to help her work on that. And we ended up co-writing it. That was Feast for the Senses, uh, which came out in 2010. And we realized that we so enjoyed working together and, uh, and really you know, loved exploring together and traveling together. And Lynn had had an interest in uh, republishing her book, Love Story in Mediterranean Israel, which uh, had originally been published in 2002. Um, And she thought, well, let's update that book. Let's do something new. And the more we kind of researched that and began to think about how to expand that book, we realized, well, maybe we're actually talking about a new book altogether. Um, so that's, that's how it got started, uh, I should say. And it grew and grew and snowballed until we ended up with a project that's bigger than anything we could have fit between two covers. <laughs> and Lynn, talk, talk a little bit about the final product, essentially four books, DVDs. Give our listeners a sense of what's part of The Desert and the City Sing. We started, we started north, um, where there was uh, Zikron Yaakov, which is the uh, little town where my husband's, my late husband's uh, grandfather uh, came from Romania when he was 11 and uh, learned how to make uh, grapes out of uh, very stony soil. And, uh, and there was the wine at the Carmel 
winery, which was up there. And um, it was awful. It was only for uh, religious purposes. There was millions of bottles, and and they were all uh, very uncomfortable to drink. So I never did. But then I tried um, the new Carmel, and it was out of this world. So that was amazing uh, that Israel actually made great wine and changed the whole the whole face of, of uh, the agricultural system up there, learned uh, how to make wine uh, for, for uh, productivity as opposed to religious things, which is what it was in the beginning. And um, I was odd. And so from there, uh, it was a question of what else is there? And um, I grabbed Diana and Michelle, uh, the artistic director, and we got in a helicopter and went south uh, to the desert and found uh, Yatir, which is the winemaking uh, adjunct of Carmel, way down in uh, Zichon, uh, way down in the Arab Valley. And, um, and then we explored. And then from there, wine turned into everything. It grew. <laughs> One of the things that it grew into is this amazing number of artistic and business successes that really is part of Israel. Talk a little bit about that, Lynn, and just, just how remarkable it is for such a small country and, and, and given, <laughs> the, given the reality of where Israel is today. Well, I think that the, uh, the people that live in Israel, for instance, uh, we just got a letter from the kids of um, somebody who who is in charge of the uh, television foundation, and her children said, "In teeny Israel, this is all happening," and so they're in shock too. But it is an amazing uh, substance of what goes on, and we captured it in many different ways, with DVDs, with uh, writing, with. Um, pictures. Neil did an incredible job of photographs, uh, which are frameable. And and here in Miami, <laughs> all the hairdressers and all the manicurists uh, have framed their photographs, and it's up on their apartment walls. But uh, it, it it's it is incredible. And um, I think Diana, you can go further into the productivity that has happened. Uh, the startup, sure. the excitement. Damn. Yeah, I want to say also that um, one one good thing to know. I mean, I I didn't mention before, but but obviously Lynn's late husband Ted Arison was Israeli, so Lynn had lived in Israel for more than a decade mm-hmm. and really knows the country on a pretty intimate basis. And I know from having worked with her on other projects, she has a great ability to show even the people of the country she's looking at new things about themselves. So so that's true with the Israel project. Even people in Israel are looking at some of this. And and first of all, we we ran into so many people who, when they learned about what what our project was, were so grateful and so sort of astonished because this isn't the word about Israel that usually gets overseas. (laughs) Um, They were so pleased that something was happening that showed an Israel that was moving forward in a positive way, um, which were surprising, and I think are surprising to, um, you know, a lot of of Americans who just don't see a lot about that in the news. 
Um, yes, there are so many, so many new and innovative uh, and creative projects going on in Israel. We had a chance to speak. I think we probably did nearly a hundred interviews with um, with people over there working in all manner of um, uh, production, from agriculture to high tech to education to the arts uh, and music, and um, it was just fascinating. And one of the four books that's in the project is called Tales of Innovation and Enterprise, and it really just consists of short interviews with lots of different people telling the stories of how they how they ended up uh, doing what they're doing, including, you know, um, a, a wonderful Arab uh, nanoscientist who works at the Technion, who uh, is, has been very successful. And he talks about what it is to be an Arab scientist in Israel and, and how his hopes for the future are, you know, what his hopes for the future are. Um, uh, we talked to um, wonderful educators who are, you know, coming up with new formats. We talked about, uh, we talked to people in humanitarian aid who are reaching out uh, to other countries. And Shahar uh, Sahavi um, of Israel, among the first, you know, the front lines of humanitarian aid uh, whenever there's a crisis around the world. So it was just fascinating kind of casting this net and finding all the wonderful things that we <laughs> that we caught in it and were able to focus on. And we just sort of allowed the project to keep growing until we covered as much as we as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Lynn, knowing Israel as as well as you do, talk about what you see as kind of the common threads to all of this commercial, innovative, and artistic success that Diana was talking about? I think it's a question of uh, motivation, uh, because when the Israelis started coming back into the land in 1882, uh, the place was filled with rocks. It was uh, very barren. There was no agriculture. It was It was just a catastrophe. But but they were determined to um, make it a green land to plant trees, and that's what they did. And what happened at that point in history is that the Arabs from Jordan and the Arabs from Lebanon started coming back because there was uh, food. Uh, the Israelis were growing food, and so they they came in and everybody worked together. It was it was very special, and Ted's grandfather. I mean, Ted's grandfather told him about all this, so uh, he, you know, had this history of understanding that this is what was happening. Then, of course, things turned uh, political, and, of course, you know, nutty things started happening, and and everybody just had to do what they had to do, but, but the motivation was one of... Um, of wanting to make the land uh, comfortable and to make it uh, productive. And it was from the very beginning uh, that's what happened. And, you know, knowing from Ted's grandfather, who was 11, uh, that was the, the, the way it began, and it stayed that way. So it's, it, that's what happens in Israel now, is everybody is determined to make the land better and to help all the other people that are involved which is what you read in our book, it talks about what the Israelis are doing all over the world, which is, is awesome. 
to understand how they reach out and help all over the world. People do agriculture, people do uh, innovations, they are, they help each other. And it, there's, a, there's a thing that uh, my stepdaughter, Shari, talks about, Tikim uh, it's, it's, it's a It's a um, motivation where you give back, and that's what does it. It's almost a kind of reverse diaspora. I mean, Israel came together as as a homeland for for the Jewish diaspora around the world. And as you say, Lynn, it is now spreading out from Israel to so many other places in the world in these areas that, that we've been talking about. Yes. And and it's very exciting because uh, it's just done normally. It's not done uh, with any kind of ulterior motives. It's done because they just want to help. Their hearts are very strong. They have helped themselves, and so they help others, and all kinds of others. <laughs> when you see the DVDs, you'll see all kinds of others. It's it's quite an example, and it's it. It just makes me cry to even think about how lucky we were to capture it. We, I heard an interesting experience um, sitting in on an agricultural conference talking about pests, agricultural pests. And I just remember at one point he looked at the crowd, which was from all over the region. It was, it was not only Israelis, it was people actually from all over the world who were coming to, to listen to this. And he said, one thing to remember, these, these, uh, these bugs, these pests don't need passports. You know, in other words, what, whatever we find here is going to apply elsewhere. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the way this is continuing to grow in Israel, Lynn. I mean, this, this is not something that, that's stationary at the moment, but these efforts really are continuing to explode all the time. Well, you know what's so exciting is that we now have a website. And so the book is done. Uh and the DVDs are done, but it doesn't mean it's over. It means it's going to continue because there's so much more that's going to expand. And so when, when everybody knows that they can post on, the, on our website, they can tell their stories, they can explain to the world what's going on in Israel. And my big thing is, uh, okay, so there's a lot of uh, discussion about this and that. Uh, people... I'm a travel writer, and so I want people to come to Israel and see for themselves and make their own decisions, because to, be, uh, to go with what other people say doesn't make sense anymore, not when the world is small and you can travel and you can see, and with our map you can see all of it. And um, I just want everybody to, to go taste it, touch it, feel it, experience it. We did it. And my big thing was to get people that, that had never been to Israel, didn't know anything about Israel, to come. And I stood there and watched them. I didn't know what was going to happen. They could have hated it. Who knows? But they ended up falling in love and, um, and very enthusiastically in love. And that's what happens in that environment. Uh, all the people that come in fall in love, and so they get motivated. I'm watching it everywhere. And people shouldn't be afraid to come there. I think that's important to emphasize. To the contrary. I have a, a physical trainer that, came, that is, was so excited. She says her very good friend traveled to Israel, 
and um, came back, and this is a person that travels everywhere, and came back and said that she never felt so safe as being in Israel. So it was extraordinary. She, uh, my, my Sandra became <laughs> over the moon. She was so happy because this was a definite reflection of what people feel when they go there. If you go there, you feel how safe it is. Lynn Arison, Diana Stoll. The book is The Desert and the City Sing, Discovering Today's Israel from Chronicle Books. Lynn, Diana, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff, for asking us to. My, my pleasure.